Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. If you worry about every little thing, you're going to have one thoroughly miserable life. Joan Bauer, Backwater. I'm Annie Jones, owner of the Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. And it's time for another episode of Literary Therapy, this one, the holiday edition. If you're a regular listener, you know we have been faithfully and steadily growing our show to reach 10,000 listeners. And any of our show's growth is thanks to your word of mouth recommendations and to folks who've left us reviews. Here is one of my favorite recent reviews from Emily. A very special podcast. I have been listening to and loving From the Front Porch since its start almost 10 years ago, and I still get excited every Thursday when new episodes are released. Annie and her rotating guests and co-hosts are thoughtful, easy to listen to, and entertaining, never failing to add a wide variety of book recommendations to my list. This podcast has made me a forever fan of the bookshelf, which I hope to visit someday. Thank you, Annie and team. Thank you, Emily. And if you haven't left us a review, all you have to do is open up the podcast app on your phone, look for From the Front Porch, scroll down until you see Write a Review, and then tell us what you think. Now, back to the task at hand. If you are new to From the Front Porch, every few months I dive into the metaphorical mailbag and peruse your readerly hangups and bookish conundrums like a literary Fraser Crane tackling your issues on air. If you have your own readerly riddle you'd like me to solve in a future episode, you can leave me a voicemail at the From the Front Porch website. That's fromthefrontporchpodcast.com forward slash contact. There's a link in the show notes too. You'll scroll until you see the orange button on that page that says start recording. You can click or tap there. No microphone needed. And voila, I would love to hear from you. This week's mailbag consisted of holiday themed conundrums. That was kind of the plea that I put out on Instagram. I had a backlog of voicemails that I still make time for in 2024, but I kind of wanted to close out the year with some holiday themed conundrums and you all certainly provided. So first up, two voicemails from Claire and Teresa who have a similar dilemma. Hi, Annie. My name is Claire and I live in Virginia. And my holiday reading conundrum is that while I love 10 blind dates and in holidays, this year I'm craving something less lighthearted, um, something more literary, something darker, maybe just wintry and not Christmassy. Um, do you have any of those to recommend? Anyway, last year I really loved Flight on your recommendations, so I'm hoping that you have some more along those lines. Um, thanks. Bye. Hi, Annie. This is Teresa from Kentucky. I love these episodes and finally have a dilemma that I'm hoping that you can help me with. I would love to read some books in December that are centered around the holidays. However, typically I don't enjoy rom-coms as they all seem to follow the same recipe, for lack of a better word. I would love to hear your suggestions for holiday reads. Thanks so much. 
I wanted these literary dilemmas together because even though Teresa and Claire might have different literary preferences, they have this same thing in common, which is all the holiday books they're seeing recommended to them are rom-coms. And that makes sense. That's not your imagination, Claire and Teresa, because there is an influx of romantic holiday literature every year, uh, starting in about October. And so this isn't your imagination. These books are possible. Like it is possible to find books that are not necessarily romantic in nature, but that are holiday themed or set in the winter. But I think they're a little harder to find. The holiday rom-com is just an easy, you can easily tell a holiday rom-com by the cover. Wintry books or holiday themed books or Christmas themed books that don't deal with romance, I think are harder to find because it may not just be obvious from the cover. So Claire mentioned Flight by Lynn Stager Strong, which actually just released in paperback this October with a new, more holiday centric cover. I love the hardcover, but if you have not read this book, I do think now would be a great time because it has released in paperback. It's a little less expensive and it is very much is in line with what Teresa and Claire are looking for. Now, Claire's already read it, so I wanted to keep that in mind. I wanted to move beyond that recommendation. But if you're new here and you haven't heard me talk about Flight, think The Family Stone, but in literary format. And it's thin. It's not too long. The characters are great. Highly recommend if you, like Claire and Teresa, are on the hunt for a holiday book that's not necessarily romance. Then I started to think about some nonfiction, some of which y'all may have already read, and that's fine. I was trying to grab backlist titles, honestly, because as of this recording, I have not found like this year's flight. I have not found this year's book that kind of fits this criteria. So I had to dig into the backlist. I took a lot of time. I spent a lot of time this afternoon at my own bookshelves, standing around, digging through my stacks trying to figure out, now, wait a minute, was this set in the winter or did I just read it in the winter? <laughs> so I thought immediately and perhaps obviously of Wintering by Catherine May. Now, if I were reading this for the first time, I would save it for the post-Christmas blues. I would save it for December 26th, January 1st, January 2nd, because I think it's a great winter book, though not necessarily holiday themed. But I do think it's an easy book and an interesting one that will help you survive the the inevitable post-holiday letdown. Along those same lines, I pulled from my own shelf The Year of Living Danishly by Helen Russell and Joy Enough by Sarah McColl. Both of these books take place over the course of a year. So they're not entirely holiday themed, but both of the books start in the winter. Joy Enough especially starts with winter. Now, Sarah McColl wrote Joy Enough after the death of her mother. So this is a book that deals a lot with grief. It's a memoir, a memoir mixed with essays, I would say. Uh, the chapters kind of read as, as miniature essays. And then The Year of Living Danishly, I would put in the same category as Wintering, where Helen Russell decided to investigate why these Scandinavian countries are often ranked like the happiest and their citizenry at least tests or seems to make the news for being some of the happiest people on earth. And she wanted to investigate why. Because of the Scandinavian setting, it feels very wintry to me, although it does take place over the course of a year. Joy Enough by Sarah McColl, it is set up in sections. So the first section, it, it works the way uh, its way through the year. So winter, spring, summer, fall uh, is how it's set up. But you could and maybe this is book, bookish sacrilege, but I think that you can read books in pieces parts. And so you could read Winter now and save the rest for later. I actually think that'd be a lovely way to read that book. 
Then I moved back into fiction. So Beartown by Frederick Bachman. You may have already read that book, but that is a great backlist title that is wintry, about a small town, about a hockey team, and it has quite a bit of depth. Five Tuesdays in Winter by Lily King is one of my favorite short story collections. And I love, as you all know, I love short stories and essays, particularly for this time of year when our brains might be a little fried and maybe it's easier to pick up a book and put it down if it's an essay collection or a short story collection. The History of Wolves by Emily Friedland. This was the first book that came to mind. I immediately turned, I I podcast in front of my bookshelves. I turned and immediately found that book. I know right where it is on the shelf. It has a very striking white cover. And then I read the blurb and it said that the book was set in the summer. And I thought, no, that cannot be true. Like I remember distinctly, this is bizarre, but I remember the main character. uh, It's set in the woods of Minnesota. And I remember the main character leaving her home with her hair wet and her hair freezes. And I'd never thought about that. And like she arrives to school and her hair like cracks because it's, it's little icicles, which as someone whose door was stuck with humidity nary a week ago, this was shocking to me. So History of Wolves, I read years ago in the winter. I looked back and found my original review. I read it in, I believe, January. Um, I want to say of like 2018 or 2019. And despite what the blurb says, the internet seems to agree that it feels wintry. So so it may be set in the summer. Um, I find it hard to believe that the blurb printed on the book would be wrong. Um, but it very much, because of its Minnesota setting, has wintry vibes and reminds me a little bit of another book that I wanted to recommend here uh, called The Net Beneath Us, which you'll remember me talking about a little bit of a survival story there set in uh, in the winter woods. Um, so History of Wolves by Emily Friedland and The Net Beneath Us. Tinkers by Paul Harding, which I did an entire podcast episode about with Hunter earlier this year. Lucy by the Sea by Elizabeth Strout. Those are literary fiction titles that are set in and around New England and definitely have the cozy up with a blanket on a long winter day vibe. Then Oh, and what a joy it was to find this book on my shelf. Now, look, this book is a young adult novel. It's called Backwater by Joan Bauer. I don't know why, and maybe Joan Bauer is super popular, but when I was reading her in late high school and throughout college, when I was reading her, I felt like I had discovered something no one else knew about. I have not fact-checked this feeling. I do not know if it is accurate. Um, But when I discovered Joan Bauer, I felt like I had discovered something great. And that might be because young adult literature was not really a thing for much of of my high school career. It kind of came developed as a genre a little bit later. I know that dates me, but that's okay. Um, so I went back, I, I have quite a few Joan Bauer titles on my shelf. Um, and she's a great seasonal writer. Like Thwonk is a very fun one for Valentine's Day. I think she wrote one called Squashed, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, or something like that. I might be misquoting, uh, but something like that, uh, that would be fun fall reading. Backwater is set in the winter. Um, It feels, now I looked, I tried to reread pieces parts. It feels like it's around one family's Christmas dinner, but I'm not sure it's ever called a Christmas dinner, but this whole family is together. Our main character is Ivy. Um, Ivy is a historian, a wannabe historian. She's, I believe, like a senior in high school. She's a wannabe historian surrounded by lawyers. Her whole family is lawyers. And she wants to kind of write her family history. And she winds up kind of going on this hike in the Adirondack Mountains in the winter. I 
loved this book as I probably was between 18 and 20 years old. Um, but I was flipping through it today and I think I might give it a reread this holiday season. Um, I think this would be a very fun one to dive into and I suspect it's one you haven't read yet. Okay. And then probably more on the Christmassy front. And in fact, I saw, so my copy just looks like a plain old paperback. But when I looked up this book, it has been reprinted with a very Christmassy cover. And that book is Landline by Rainbow Roll. Perhaps some listeners are saying, but Annie, that's a rom-com. That's a romance. I would beg to differ. There is a romance here, but it does not feel like a traditional rom-com to me. It feels, uh, and I, you know how I hate this category, but I don't know how else to say it. It reminds me more of women's fiction. Uh, basically, our main character is... Um, is in a tough spot in her marriage and her husband and kids have gone to celebrate celebrate Christmas elsewhere. And she is shocked by this and she winds up like picking up the phone. And when she picks up the phone, there's almost a magical realism, fantastical element where the, the phone kind of transports her back in time. So you've got a little bit of the Christmas Carol, Ghost of Christmas Past vibes here, which I really like this time of year. I've read a couple of books recently. You may have heard me talk about one on the reading recap episode where that's a theme. Um, and I really like that theme because I think, and maybe this is speaking, maybe I am a wing for on the Enneagram, but this time of year always makes me very reflective and thoughtful and investigative of my past decision-making of what has led me to this point. Um, I spend a lot of time listening to melancholy Christmas songs, crying in my car. It's fine. It's totally fine. So Landline by Rainbow Roll, I think is not your maybe stereotypical holiday rom-com, although the new cover might hint that it is. And I instead think it's like surprisingly thoughtful um, women's fiction. Okay. And then in the thriller suspense realm, so we've done some literary fiction, some nonfiction essays, young adult, and now for maybe suspense thriller, Jordan and I listened to the audiobook of The Family Game by Katherine Steadman last Christmas as we traveled to and from people's houses. Loved it. Thought it was very fun. Jordan particularly was entertained. New this year and on our shelves, I remember because I literally just put them out, uh, The Christmas Guest by Peter Swanson, Christmas Presents, or is it Christmas Presents? Uh, who's to say? Uh, by Lisa Unger and The Christmas Appeal, which is a new novella by Janice Hallett. Those are new on the shelf this year specifically. I mean, look, they've all got Christmas in the title. They're specifically designed. The Christmas Appeal in particular is specifically designed to be like your favorite thriller suspense author, but with a Christmas twist. So again, that's The Christmas Guest by Peter Swanson, Christmas Presents by Lisa Unger, and The Christmas Appeal by Janice Hallett. I've not read any of those yet, neither has Olivia, but I did want to mention them here in case you are a suspense reader and that is more appealing to you this holiday season than romantic comedies. So Claire and Teresa, I hope I have given you a wide range of like winter cozy up wintry literature with a little bit of suspense thriller, maybe some women's fiction, nonfiction essays thrown in there. I hope this has given you a wide range. Um, your plight is real. And I think it's just made even more difficult by publishing marketing, because I just think this is the time of year when much like the Hallmark movie becomes popular this time of year. I think publishers know the rom-com becomes really popular this time of year. It's like this and summer are peak rom-com season because of beach reads and then Christmas books, uh, holiday books. And so 
I just wanted you, I always like to tell people, I, f- I feel like on literary therapy, I'm frequently saying you're not alone because isn't that what therapy really is? So Claire and Teresa, you are not alone. And hopefully even hearing each other's voicemails helped you realize you're not alone in these conundrums, but maybe this gives you some books to choose from this holiday season that might be a little bit different and might take you away from the romantic comedy genre. Also, Teresa, hello to Kentucky. My parents are literally in Kentucky right now. They went to see the Eagles for their anniversary at Rupp Arena. And I just, I just wanted to say hi to Kentucky. Okay, next voicemail. Hi, Annie. This is Aaron calling from Massachusetts. I'm calling because growing up, I always loved the uh, tradition in the Betsy Tacey books, where the family would read the same three things every Christmas Eve. And I was hoping you might have some suggestions of short stories, essays, excerpts, anything really that might be... Um, perfect for a family to read together every Christmas Eve. Thank you so much. I hope you have a very happy and restorative holidays. Erin, hi. Okay, this was very fun. I hate to pick favorite questions, but this was a very fun question because it's so unique. You're not asking for entire books because goodness knows you can't read an entire book on Christmas Eve to your children. This is, this was fun. And Honestly, I don't know the last time I did this much research on a literary therapy episode, but all of the questions that you all presented me with in the mailbag this week, just, I was, I literally have, maybe I'll take a picture. I literally have next to me stacks of books of me going through my shelves and trying to find what I was looking for. It was very fun. And Enneagram 5, we love to research. Okay, so immediately, I just want to say that I have very fond memories and you've heard me talk about them on the podcast before. I have very fond memories of my father reading to us on Christmas Eve. For my family, that was always The Night Before Christmas by Clement C. Moore and Yes, Virginia, the editorial that I actually, spoiler alert, but you're going to hear that. You're going to hear that later this year uh, on From the Front Porch. And I've read that to you in episodes past. I'm pretty sure I started that tradition in 20, hmm, it was either 2020 or 2021. And we're just making it a thing here on From the Front Porch because I think it is such a powerful editorial. And the older I got, the more comfort I found in it. So my dad didn't read that to us on Christmas Eve. That appeared in our local newspaper. And he just read it to us when he saw it or when it was published. And then as I got older, I read it to myself. And I still, because I read it to to podcast listeners every year, I still read it every year. And it makes me cry every year. So I don't know how old your kids are, Erin, but I think that one in particular can grow old with them. And then The Night Before Christmas is a book or a story, a poem, really, uh, that my dad read to us every year. And I have tried to read it in story time at the bookshelf. I've done it a couple of times. And it is also very difficult for me to read it without crying, not because it is particularly sentimental, but because all I can hear is my dad's voice reading it. And so, gosh, it's just the power of being read aloud to, I think, um, like, <laughs> I'm going to try to tell this story without crying. It's really a sweet, sappy, funny story. Um, but the first year Jordan and I got married, I'm very independent. And I was determined to carve out our own family traditions apart from my family of origin. And so we were living in Tallahassee, but I was very stubborn. And I insisted that we go to our own apartment on Christmas Eve, not spend the night with my parents, not spend the night with my family, because we needed our own traditions. And we got back to our apartment for my family's Christmas Eve party, like my extended family's Christmas Eve party. We got back to our apartment and I promptly burst into tears and I made Jordan like help me call my parents. And I called my parents and I made my brother who I was 22 
I was a child. <laughs> uh, I was 22. And so my brother was 19. And I made us all get on speakerphone so my dad could read the night before Christmas over the phone. <laughs> which, which, oh my gosh, <laughs> Annie, <laughs> uh, what a little, what a sweet little baby I was. But thank you to Shop Dad Chris for, for doing that for me and for, to my brother uh, for for rolling his eyes uh, and doing that with us. So literally my dad read that to us until we were well into adulthood. Um, so The Night Before Christmas by Clement Seymour and Yes, Virginia are two that I hold dear. But I also thought of some things that I would add to that in either my own family or Aaron in your family. So first one that came to mind is A Christmas Story. This is a short story by Walter Dean Myers. It's in the collection 145th Street. And we read this as part of our babysitter's back book club back in the day. I forget what we called. It was babysitter's club, book club, and then it was... Oh gosh, it was, we tried to like play on Backstreet's back. <laughs> uh, I can't remember, but we called it something where we looked back into the deep backlist of Nostalgia Lit. And I had never read this collection before. It's a short story collection by Walter Dean Myers. And when we read A Christmas Story, I just thought, I cannot believe that this isn't every Christmas brought out by families. I don't understand. And so I am here advocating that you bring it out for your family. So that is A Christmas Story by Walter Dean Myers. You can probably find it online, but it is in the collection 145th Street. Then I have a collection of poetry called God Speaks Through Wombs by Drew Jackson. Now, Aaron, you didn't mention what your family's religious proclivities are. So I will just say that the next couple of recommendations will probably, not will probably, they're definitely for Christian readers um, who are familiar with the story of Jesus's birth and who wants to share that with their children. Um, God Speaks Through Wombs is a poetry collection that works its way through the book of Luke. Um, the two poems that I think would make wonderful Christmas Eve reading are O Little Town and Where Lambs Feed. So the poems are called O Little Town and Where Lambs Feed. And the collection is called God Speaks Through Wombs. It's a beautiful little collection of poetry. And I think it's actually what I'm going to read uh, as I'm recording this, it's early, but by the time you listen to this, it will be, will be well into Advent. And I think it's going to be what I read through Advent this year. I think poetry is what my, <laughs> my puny little brain can handle <laughs> this holiday season. Um, and then two years ago, or even perhaps it was last year, who's to say, uh, I read Miracle on 10th Street by Madeline Lingle as part of my Advent reading. And the poem First Coming would be, I think, a beautiful uh, read aloud experience for a family. So Miracle on 10th Street the poem first coming. Okay, now back to perhaps more non-religious Christmas readings. I think first chapter, the first chapter of Little Women, uh, last year, that is what I read on Christmas Eve. And I have such a fond memory of being in my parents' uh, house and reading that chapter to myself as I drifted off to sleep. And it was such a lovely way to kick off the holiday season and to kind of close the hectic holiday season um, from retail life. Um, so reading aloud the first chapter of Little Women, I think could be very fun. I mean, I don't you already have it in your head? Like Christmas isn't Christmas without any presents, grumbled Joe. Like I already, I already have it in my head. Why Christmas Trees Aren't Perfect by Richard Schneider. It's a little bit of longer of a children's book. So um, I'm just giving you the heads up that 
maybe you might want to spread some of these out throughout the season. This may not be a one night scenario, but that is Jordan's favorite uh, Christmas book. And that is what we keep. It's one of the books that we keep out on our shelves, along with Best Christmas Pageant Ever, of course, by Barbara Robinson. I think this is a very fun read aloud, though, of course, one that you could read chapter by chapter through the season. It's a thin little book, but it is a chapter book. And so I don't think you'd be able to read it to your family in one night, but I think you could finish up your reading and it would be a very fun. And Erin, I don't know how old your kids are, but the older they get and perhaps into the teen years, I think Santa Land Diaries by David Sedaris is a very fun thing to either read or have read to you by David Sedaris himself. You can find it on various episodes of This American Life, but it is in the collection Holidays on Ice. Um, If you are an adult reader looking for something fun to read with your book club this holiday season, that would be very fun. Um, So that is Santa Land Diaries by David Sedaris. Erin, I hope that's helpful. That was a very fun question to answer. I look forward to hearing what your family chooses to read together this holiday season. Hi, Annie. My name is Jen. I had a lofty goal for 2023, a lofty reading goal, I should say, to read 100 books in 2023. And I'm very close. I think I'm at I think I'm at number 95 or number 94, Um, but I'm on track to finish before the end of the year. And so I'm in a dilemma of what I should do after. Should I A, take a break from reading, B, reread some old favorites, or C, keep reading and surpass my goal once I hit 100? So what do you think? Jen, I wondered if we'd get any end of year questions and this is one. So congratulations on reaching your goal of a hundred books. I am very impressed. Um, I think keeping, I keep track of my reading and if you keep track of your reading, it's kind of inevitable that you wind up with a number. But the first year I set a goal of reading a hundred books. I was so stressed out. (laughs) I was so stressed out. It it was fun, but it was a stressful addition to my reading life. And I think it's hilarious that after that year, and I cannot remember what year it was, maybe 2018, um, maybe longer ago, um, but whatever year it was, I decided never again that I was never going to make that a goal. And I think it's hilarious that like last year, that was not a goal. And I read, and and it's because of audiobooks, but um, I read 124 books. And Jordan makes fun of me that like once that no longer became a goal, I met it without any problem. (laughs) And so I don't know how you are feeling. Maybe for you, it really um, helped and boosted your reading life. Um, But for me, setting that goal of 100 books was really daunting. And so congratulations on meeting that goal. You asked if you should just quit reading, which did make me laugh and does sound like a lot of goal oriented people I know, including myself, like no, no shade to, I guess my own mind went to Enneagram ones, no shade to Enneagram ones the world over. Um, and certainly I guess I just think of myself, uh, sometimes I meet a goal and then never do it again. Um, like one time I decided to write a, uh, run a 5k and do couch to 5k. And then I ran the 5k and then I never ran again. <laughs> So, and so, um, it, it was funny to me that one of your options was just don't read the rest of the year, which look, you don't have to read the rest of the year, Jen, this is your permission. If you just want to watch Christmas movies and snuggle up and watch Gilmore Girls on repeat or something, that is fine. If I were you, now that you have met that goal, what I would do for the rest of the year is either revisit old favorites. Um, I am not a huge rereader, but I have been known to reread books, particularly around this kind of year during, during particularly stressful seasons in my life. I wind up rereading things. 
So I would either revisit old favorites or read whatever you want. So if you feel like you missed a book uh, because it was too long or you rushed through a book because you were trying to hit a hundred or you started a book and didn't finish it because it wasn't holding your attention. I think now is the time. I think December is the time to like reflect back, look and see what are some books I missed or I wished I read or for whatever reason I skipped or skimmed. Um, that's what I would do, uh, with my remaining reading time, uh, in 2023, I would revisit old favorites or I would go back and see what I miss. Um, I know you're from the front porch listener, but if you listen to other book podcasts or if you have other readerly influences that you're following, like what are some books that they've talked about that you missed? Because maybe um, if you're like me and you were trying to hit a hundred, you didn't make time for nonfiction. Uh, you didn't make time for essay collections. You didn't make time for memoirs or a hefty nonfiction because you felt like, oh, I don't have time. Well, now you have time. Like this is bonus time. And so with bonus time, I would do whatever you want. So again, if what you want is to hunker down and watch Gilmore Girls, Jen, you do it. That's a great reward. That's a, that's treating yourself. Or if you want to treat yourself by revisiting old favorites, going back and hitting 2023 titles you may have missed. I think now is the perfect time to do it because everything's icing. Like you already made the cake. Now everything else is bonus. Everything else is extra. So again, congratulations on hitting a hundred books. Um, that is, that is a lot of books that is a lot of books. And so congratulations on hitting that goal. And I think you should celebrate Basically, I want you to not have homework this holiday season, because even though I'm sure you enjoyed those 100 books, if you're like me, that definitely felt like homework. You were trying to reach a goal. You reached that goal. So now reward yourself um, in whatever way you choose, whatever feels the most celebratory to you. That is what I would do. Hi, Annie. This is Courtney calling from Hingham, Massachusetts. I am calling in for your bookish therapy guidance on finding some holiday reads um, that are hopeful and redemptive. As you like to say, I am definitely a Susie reader. Um, just really feel good and my dilemma is that I am not really a fast reader. I only read a few books a month, and especially around this time of year, I feel like, you know, I want to make sure that I'm reading and enjoying some holiday books to really get in the spirit. But there are so many, especially with the rom-coms, that I don't know where to start and I don't want to be disappointed. So I would love your recommendations on which holiday reads you've found to be really worth it, um, that help get you in the spirit and are really just hopeful and lighthearted and fun. So I would love your recommendations. Thank you so much. Hi, Courtney. This was a fun question as well because it required a little text to my mom. So I had some ideas for you about redemptive storytelling for this time of year. And I know my mom pretty well and I am her resident bookseller. And so I know what she has bought from the bookshelf. So off the top of my head, I immediately was like, oh, Courtney, you need to read Jenny Colgan. And in fact, I'm pleased to say that I typed that myself, like typed that note up and then texted my mom. And the first, well, the second book my mom recommended was a Jenny Colgan book. So I'm on the right track. So Jenny Colgan, I think would be a very fun author for you to try. She's written a lot of books, but she specifically has a couple of holiday books, including The Christmas Bookshop, which is the book my mom bought and recommended via text. And then her newest book, Midnight at the Christmas Bookshop, which my mom just bought on her trip to Kentucky. 
So The Christmas Bookshop, Midnight at the Christmas Bookshop, I think you would like it because of the bookish element. um, I think readers frequently love books set in bookstores. um, And that definitely fits the fits the mom, the shop mom, Susie approved books. Then I thought of New Girl in Little Cove, which is a book I recommended years ago for a hot minute. It was like a bookshelf bestseller because I kept talking about it on From the Front Porch. And look, the cover to me rings spring, summer. But if you haven't read it yet, Courtney, which I I kind of think you probably have, but if you haven't, um, that is a very fun book. And the reason I'm recommending it here in the midst of a bunch of Christmas titles is because it is set in Newfoundland. And so sometimes what I'm looking for out of a Christmas slash holiday slash winter book isn't necessarily like Santa Claus. What I'm really looking for is cold weather. (laughs) And so New Girl in Little Cove is a fun cold weather book. Um, And it kind of crosses, if I remember correctly, it goes through multiple seasons. So it's about a young woman. It's almost Anne of Green Gables-esque, but it's about a young woman who moves to Newfoundland to become a teacher. So it's set of the course, as I recall, of a school year. So there will be part of it that is very wintry, especially, but um, it's not necessarily a a quote-unquote Christmas book. If you are looking for a Christmas book, you can do no better than Faking Christmas by Kiri Winfrey. I know I talked about this at length on last week's episode, um, but it was one of the books my mom texted me about, and I just finished it, and I can tell you that... Unlike a lot of Christmas rom-coms that get released every year, some of which just quite frankly are not good. This one is good. This one is good, Courtney, and it is worth your time. So Faking Christmas by Carrie Winfrey. I think you would really like this book. My mom really liked it as well. And then what I would do and what I may do, in fact, pretty soon, is watch Christmas in Connecticut, the classic movie that it is inspired by. Then the rom-com that I read last year that I really liked was Holiday Romance by Katherine Walsh. Again, and this is not new information. All holiday rom-coms are not created equal. Um, All Hallmark movies are not created equal. All Christmas movies are not created equal. And so I am here to try to help you find the ones that are good. (laughs) And Holiday Romance by Katherine Walsh is good. I think it's really cute. I especially like that it's set in airports. I don't know if that's because I'm still writing this weird high from the Meg Ryan, David Duchovny movie, um, which is not a rom-com, but is kind of a quirky fun movie, which I would love to discuss in the future. Um, but Holiday Romance uh, is set at airports across varying years as these two people just consistently run into each other on their way home for Christmas. I loved it last year. I may pull it out for a reread this year, actually. Um, and then I wanted to mention, though I will be clear, I have not read this yet. And I am not sure if it is holiday themed, like I'm not 100% sure, but it did release earlier this fall, so the timing is right. But Jean Meltzer has one of my favorite holiday books called The Matzo Ball. I've talked about it many times, I think, on this podcast. Um, But she has a new book out called Kissing Kosher. And I wouldn't recommend a book I hadn't read, except it is consistently getting really good reviews. Um, And so it is a book that I think I'm going to make time for this holiday season. Again, I try to look at other people's star ratings. I try to see what a Kirkus or Publisher Review, Publisher's Weekly Review has said. And both Kirkus and Publisher's Weekly really recommended this book. And I like Jean Meltzer. I really liked The Matzo Ball. Uh, So I wanted to mention Kissing Kosher, which is her newest. And then Rex from Susie herself. So these are the, this is the text I got back in response. Uh, We have Christmas by the Book by Anne Marie Ryan, The Christmas Bookshop, which we already talked about by Jenny Colgan, Once Upon a Wardrobe by Patty Callahan, which we might talk about again in a second, Shepherd's Abiding by Jan Karen. And then my mom wanted me to tell you that every year she buys Mary Kay Andrews Christmas book and every year she enjoys it. This year, though my mom has not read it yet, 
Mary Kay Andrews' newest is Bright Lights, Big Christmas. So if you were looking for redemptive storytelling that is Susie approved, those are some recommendations for you. I think one or more of those will certainly fit the bill for you, Courtney, this holiday season. Hi, Annie. My name's Leanne. I've been a longtime listener and customer of the bookshelf. And per your request, um, I have always given out Last Christmas in Paris by Hazel Gaynor as a gift or like a grab bag gift at Christmas or for my book friends. And I'd love it if you had an updated maybe holiday book gift that I could give. I loved The Last Christmas in Paris because it is a an epistolary novel. It's set in World War One, so I love the historical fiction piece of it. And I also love that it's not overly Christmassy, but it's still kind of as you're reading it is the vibe and gives you the mood of Christmas time. So if you could help me out at finding maybe a new Christmas book that I could start giving to all my book friends, I'd appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Leanne, this is a great question and also a lot of pressure, like one book, like I, okay, I'm not a Lord of the Rings person, but like one ring to rule them all, one book to gift for Christmas. This is tough. Um, And I think, you know, it's tough. And that's why you give the same book every year, because it is tough to find a book that is going to appeal to a wide range of readers that you yourself feel like is worthy of, of, of giving to a friend based on your own recommendation. Like this is a, this is a high bar. Um, And so I used your criteria of what you've chosen in the past, which if, if friends are listening, the book that Leanne mentioned which I think Courtney might appeal to you, especially last Christmas in Paris, uh, is the book. And I'm actually going to recommend it to my mom. <laughs> so thank you, Leanne. <laughs> um, so I did some digging because I have not read Last Christmas in Paris. And I think, Leanne, if you listen to this podcast, you know, historical fiction can be hit or miss for me. Uh, and, and there are some real hits, but, but not always for me. And so I was like, okay, what have people said about Last Christmas in Paris? Where does it compare? Uh, Leanne, you have great taste. This book gets excellent reviews, like nearly five stars on Goodreads, which, you know, I have feelings about Goodreads, but it is a good indicator of what readers like and what they're looking for. Anyway, it just gets really good reviews. So I didn't want to give you just a a cheesy historical fiction book. I wanted to give you a really good book. <laughs> and I also thought about your epistolary novel, the, the epistolary novel description. Um, and I think an epistolary novel is a great book to give to readers uh, for the holidays because they read, they move pretty quickly and they're easy to read. And so of course, and maybe readers are going to roll their eyes at this, but I did immediately just think, oh, you should gift 84 Charing Cross Road by Helen Hemp. Like, I know it's a classic. I know it's been out forever. I know it's not even Christmassy, although I did look and it starts the the letters that Helene writes to um, the bookstore begin in November. So I do think we could technically, I mean, if Die Hard is a Christmas movie, then I think we could say that 84 Charing Crossroad is at least Christmas adjacent. And I just think that's a lovely book to gift readers. And maybe it's deep enough into the backlist where not every one of your friends will have read it before. Maybe it would be a pleasant surprise to them. Um, so that was the first book that came to mind. Then I thought of Love and Saffron by Kim Fay, which I started listening to and maybe bringing it back out. I have not finished it. Um, but so many customers, 
podcast listeners, friends, read this book and loved it. It's got a foodie element, which to me sits it soundly in the holiday time of year, even if it's set in a different time. Um, and it's historical fiction. It's set in the 1960s. Um, so I, I just thought, oh, I think your friends could really like that book. And then, of course, Leanne, if you haven't read these books, you would read them first, I'm sure, before before gifting them. Um, okay. And then the other one that I immediately thought of, which we continue. I mean, sometimes I'm shocked at how many copies of this we still sell. Uh, but The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse by Charlie Maxey is a beautiful book. It's so pretty. It's got great illustrations. It's thoughtful. It's kind. It's sweet. It could become a fairly a family heirloom. In fact, Aaron, if you're still listening, that's a great one for your family. Um, the Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse, um, of course, can be taken way past the holiday season. But I think it's a highly giftable book. And I think my in-store customers would agree because we consistently display it and it consistently sells. Along those lines, former bookshelf staffer Lucy sung the praises of Perestroika in Paris. This is by author Jane Smiley. And she likened it. Oh, what did she compare it to? Um, it, you know, it's it's one of those books that Lucy was surprised that she liked because there are talking animals. <laughs> there, there are talking animals, but she found it charming and delightful. And she gave it out as her December shelf subscription in 20 gosh, it was 2019 or 2020. Um, and so I think, I actually think this could be the book you're looking for. Um, it's got the historical fiction element. Um, I'm really trying to remember there was a great Charlotte's web. I was like, what is the book that Lucy compared it to? She said it was like Charlotte's web for grownups, uh, which I don't know. I don't know what else could be better. Uh, so Paris Stryka in Paris by Jane Smiley. And then if you wanted a Christmas specific book, which, um, I do think Paris Stryka in Paris would qualify. Uh, but if you wanted a more specific Christmas book, have you read Mr. Dickens and his Carol? This is by Samantha Silva. Again, this is a book that we do really well with every holiday season. It's a backlist title. So I think based on um, your uh, last Christmas in Paris, you like to give a backlist title, a paperback. So you could do Mr. Dickens and his Carol. And then the very last one I wanted to recommend, which this does feel risky because it is on my TBR. I keep seeing this book everywhere. It's Small Things Like These by Claire Keegan. I have not read it, but every description sounds like an Annie book. I have seen it at the store many times. It is a great giftable book and a great Christmas looking cover. Now I'm not saying it's a Christmas book specifically, but it is a Christmas looking cover. And so I think it would be very giftable. Tie a red ribbon around it. Um, it's got this, it's very striking green and white cover. So if you just tie a red ribbon around it, very giftable. Leanne, those are my thoughts. Listeners may have other thoughts. They may be yelling at their screens, at their radios. They may be yelling in their cars right now. Uh, but those are my recommendations. 84 Charing Cross Road, Love and Saffron, The Boy, the Mole, the Fox and the Horse, Perestroika in Paris, Small Things Like These, and Mr. Dickens and His Carol. I hope one of those fits the bill. Leanne, if if you do choose to go this route this holiday season, would you report back? I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear what you pick. Thank you all for your holiday-themed literary dilemmas. I really wanted to close out the year with holiday conundrums, and you 
you immediately provided me with those. And so I wanted to thank you um, for contributing your literary conundrums, honestly, all year long. These are some of my favorite episodes to do. Um, again, I think because of the research that sometimes is involved, it feels like I'm going on a hunt for you. Um, maybe this is how librarians feel all the time. Librarians, is this how you feel? I just felt like you all tasked me over the course of this year. Um, we've done, I think, three or four of these episodes this year. This is episode 21. This is volume 21 of this series. And it just, it's so fun to kind of go digging for you. And I hope that some of the books I recommended today are exactly what you were looking for. This week, I'm reading Iron Flame by Rebecca Yaros. From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at bookshelftville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, bookshelfthomasville.com. A full transcript of today's podcast episode can be found at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com. Special thanks to Studio D Podcast Production for production of From the Front Porch and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. Our executive producers of today's episode are Cammie Tidwell, Chantal Carl, Kate O'Connell, Kristen May, Linda Lee Drost, Martha, Stacy Lau, Chanta Combs, Stephanie Dean, Ashley Farrell, Nicole Marcy, Wendy Jenkins, Lori Johnson, Susan Eulings. Thank you all for your support of From the Front Porch. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Your input helps us make the show even better and helps us reach new listeners. All you have to do is open up the podcast app on your phone, look for From the Front Porch, scroll down until you see Write a Review and tell us what you think. Or if you're so inclined, support us over on Patreon, where we have three levels of support. Each level has an amazing number of benefits like bonus content, access to live events, discounts, and giveaways. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you and we look forward to meeting back here next week.